Support for Elwood City Limits is brought to you by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Tumblr. ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. And Gmail. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And from listeners like you. Thank you. And my free time. Got to get that in there. the episode of the podcast that almost wasn't if we'd been recording this if we had said okay tuesday we're gonna come in and record this like that would have been a no go if we had recorded friday of last week again no go so we've both had our bouts of sickness but in between we've had the uh the wonderful oases of the days that we've recorded in the last couple weeks yeah we're pretty lucky i mean i think it's because the the Weather's getting warmer. This is my pseudoscience explanation. The weather's getting warmer. We both had bouts of hay fever. From... Well, well, you may have. That's my, true. Mine is decidedly uh, less natural than hay fever. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Elwood City Limits. It is the episodic Arthur podcast where we delve into the classic PBS cartoon series Arthur episode by episode, which is what episodic means in this context. My name's Will Young, your host, and joining me as always is my co-host, Mr. Lucas Mancini. Hello! You said you told me today is the first day that you actually feel healthy uh, in 2017. That's right. I've just been battling one sickness or another for the past two months, and so today I still have a little bit of congestion, but that's the extent, and I'm ecstatic, to be honest. <laughs> uh, I finally am getting close to 100%. I'm at like 86 right now, so we're good. good. Goodness gracious. Well, I'm glad that you, I mean, you, you don't you don't project being sick. Like when I'm sick, everybody knows it. But when you've been sick, like you don't, you don't really see, you, you put on a good face. You kind of put on a good public face. Maybe not at work, but let me tell you, if you talk to my girlfriend, she would tell you otherwise. Oh, I'm sick. But, but I mean, I, but I think that's, I think that's what matters. I mean, in the privacy of your own home, you can be as whiny as you want to be. <laughs> But in public, I mean, it's hard for me not to wear my my uh, my sickness, my illness on my wrist, so to speak. Not literally. Uh, before we get into our pair of episodes today, uh, a couple things here. Now, um, at the top of the show, as always, we have our uh, links where you can uh, connect with us. And for the past couple of episodes, I've neglected to mention uh, someone who whose name that it just escaped me before we uh, were, would, would record a podcast. I wanted to make sure right at the top here we did not forget about them. So on our Facebook page, we have two five-star reviews of our podcasts, and we want to thank those people. Uh, and the person who has not been acknowledged yet, the second person to give us our first our five-star review the name is Taylor Watson. Taylor, thank you very much for five-starring Elwood City Limits on Facebook. I want to make sure to thank you uh, as personally as we can. Now, moving on, we have another email to get into. And I'm very happy with the amount of emails we've been getting, but I would certainly be even happier if we got more. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. But that's not to discount this email we got today. Uh, subject lo- subject line hello i love the podcast from i'm going to now i'm going to pronounce this as gin g i n but it could also be gin 
I'm not certain because as I've looked at, I think it's Jen. Jen, let's go with Jen. And uh, Jen, you can correct us by email later. Uh, you know, I, I've recently looked at our SoundCloud statistics of where this is downloaded, and it's from all over the world. So Ooh. it could have easily be either way. Jen says. Hello, Elwood City Limits. I just want to write to express my joy and happiness at finding out about your podcast a few months ago. I'm a listener from the U.S., all right, and I frequently use the podcast to relax after stressful days finishing up my senior year of college. And I just want to want to take a second there. That was one of my – that was one of the things I was hoping to hear from episode one of this podcast – was the not not just not like the email saying like oh you guys are great like blah 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 and like ob- obviously we've gotten quite a bit of that and we are grateful but I really because for me podcasts are my way to unwind they're a big helper with uh, a lot of my brewing mental issues I listen to a lot of podcasts on the regular just got a new iPod so I could fit more podcasts on my feed and it means a lot when people say the same thing about something that I that we're making. Especially considering they're listening to my annoying nasally voice as a way to relax. <laughs> right. I used to just let Arthur episodes, uh, excuse me, I used to just use Arthur episodes to relax, but your podcast has definitely added a great layer of content on the episodes you cover. It makes me feel less weird as an adult for joining for enjoying the Arthur storyline. We're the proverbial cheese pairing to the wine that is Arthur. <laughs> what kind of cheese would you be? I'd be a brie because I'm a little soft boy. I shouldn't have had a drink. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm gonna be cheddar because I love cheddar, <laughs> and because you stack all that money. <laughs> oh boy, do I wish! I really think you two have a good back and forth. Da, 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 da. Just thank you, thank you for the praise. Appreciate that. I wanted to write specifically to praise a few aspects of the show which I enjoy the most. Firstly, although the characters in Arthur being animals may be totally irrelevant, I still find it super interesting when y'all talk about the animal hierarchy. I think there are a lot of times in the show where this comes into question, a lot of times where the characters' identities as animals become relevant. For example, I always thought that the Brains family produces such weird ice cream flavors because as animals, they have different tastes than humans. They would enjoy the salmon ice cream more. Yeah. Is that a real one? There was some sort of there was some sort of like fish head thing that Buster was eating because yeah. of course. But then again, Buster was the one eating it, so yeah. that kind of throws that theory out the water. Who for, knows? For example, or excuse me, um, I also think it's interesting when they're treated as people. For example, all the pictures on the internet of Buster with headphones on or Arthur's glasses resting on the side of his face, ignoring their animal ears. Another thing I really enjoy about your podcast is your casual commentary on the American political climate. Oh yikes! No, I did not expect to get that part of the email at all. I expected, if anything, to be like, stop talking about <laughs> politics. You silly Canadians. Which actually, the, what you don't know is we just came off a 25-minute, uh, half-hour d- discussion on fake news. That, with, was a, that was a little inside baseball, but yes. With, uh, with uh, former podcast guest Evan Stoney. And that was uh, quite the thing to listen to. I'd love to produce you two. In a, in a podcast situation. I always find it amusing when you throw in a joke or reference like fake news. And as an American, I enjoy the shout out. Those are my main points. I'm especially excited for you to cover the episode with Mr. Rogers and the one about green potato chips. It always oh, freaked me out as a kid. Mr. Rogers. Well, the good thing is that that is the first episode of the second season. So once we leave the season, Mr. Rogers is there to greet us. And it'll set a long precedent of celebrity cameos as we've already teased 
Uh, we have the president, Bill Clinton, on the way. That's we right. have, of course, Art Garfunkel, the Chris- deity. Michelle Kwan. Michelle, oh, I forgot about Michelle. Yo-Yo Ma. The Backstreet Boys. Oh, I'm getting too excited for my own good. We need to move on. But yeah. that was from Jin, you said? Jin. From, did you say which state? Or no. him or her? I'm not sure. No, they did not. But uh, they did say y'all, if that counts. <laughs> Howdy. Uh, Good luck and thanks, G. Well, thank you very much, Jen. We really appreciate that. And, of course, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. If you would like your email read on the show or if you would just like to give us your thoughts, whether or not you want it read aloud, we will accommodate. Time to get into the episodes today. First off, like I said last week, this is one that I thought was way earlier in the uh, episode rotation of Season 1. It's Arthur's Tooth. And I believe this one also might have been an Arthur uh, children's book. It's kind of got that very Arthur-centric and simplistic idea to it that it feels like it may have been. A lot of the ones based on children's books, like the uh, Chicken Pox one, they seem to be focused on subjects that, like, really directly affect young people uh, at that age. A lot of them are about growing up. Like being eight, the kind of problems an eight-year-old will face were some of the more original TV episodes are the ones where they kind of get a little bit more out there and conceptual. You mean they didn't have a children's book about uh, dealing with uh, the co- with cootie catchers? I don't think they had a children's book about Arthur imagining being tortured and killed uh, by his teacher. No. No, not outside of fanfiction.net. That's right. Uh, so the episode begins with the Reed family sans Arthur building a house of cards. And uh, dad is kind of the one putting it up and it's a very tense situation they've got their uh, kind of uh, bass heavy background music going and then all of a sudden there's like a big slam and it's like Arthur's slamming a door upstairs the thing is is that when they confront Arthur about this it seems he's been doing this for a while and I'm just like why would you pick that time of any time in the world to be building a house of cards what I thought was interesting about this is usually like in cold opens or even in the episodes Arthur's not the one being the nuisance to the rest of the family yeah it's weird to see DW Arthur's mom and dad team up against Arthur for once yeah uh, which I thought was kind of funny but so Arthur's technique what he's doing is he's slamming this door because he's got a string tied to the doorknob and then the other end is tied to his tooth. It reminded me of, have you ever seen Jackass 3? Yes, I think so. Do you remember when, I think it was not Dave England, Danger Aaron. It was Danger Aaron had a a loose tooth or a bad tooth and so what they do is they tie one end to a sports car and the other end to his tooth and then they drive off. Yeah, that sounds familiar. This is what that reminded me of. Hot take. I actually like the Jackass movies. I like the Jackass movies, too. I don't think that's that hot of a take. Ebert and Roper gave him Jackass 2 two thumbs up, if you'll remember. Well, of course. But I just think it would be something that you would necessarily, wouldn't necessarily assume somebody likes. But no, they're, uh, they're, they're good, unclean fun. Uh, yeah, and I'm wondering how this didn't work at all. Like, you would think that Arthur's, like... The tooth was caulked down with cement in that it can't be loosened by the force of a door being slammed. Well, and I think we get more into this later, but they, the animators kind of paint themselves in a corner. Because Arthur doesn't normally have visible teeth, they have to animate the tooth in this very strange way where it looks like it's the only tooth he has. Yeah. And it, it kind of sticks out. And, they and it make, makes that creaking sound. There's all – I mean, of course, because it's all fictional, but there's artistic yeah. liberties being taken because <laughs> this tooth is wiggling all around like it's just about to come out. Yeah. Yet when he, like, bites on rock candy, it doesn't, which is kind of morbid when you think about the sensation. Yeah. 
animation. But so what I think is happening is they're, you know, playing with the animation. They're playing with physics here. The tooth seems a lot looser than it is where I think it's supposed to be a lot less loose. Like if this was reality, Um, I think what's happening is it's starting to feel a little bit loose and Arthur's trying to force it before it's time. I just, uh, yeah, and I feel, but I feel like if it were my baby tooth, it would have definitely given by this point. However, I probably wouldn't have done this because it would have been very painful. (laughs) Much like Imagine Dragons, Arthur's just a sucker for pain. (laughs) Uh, So the beginning of the episode is Arthur realizing, of course, the cold open kind of ends with Arthur being like, if you were the only kid in the third grade who uh, didn't hasn't lost a baby tooth, you'd be desperate too. Uh, and the episode begins with Arthur finding his first loose tooth, and he announces it to his parents as they're sound asleep. And it's a big thing. I'm just I'm trying to remember, like, because obviously it has been a long time since I've had a loose baby tooth. Are uh, slash were we as kids this obsessed with teeth? I think so. You think? Yeah. Like I like I can't. It's hard for me to say. Like I don't remember. So I mean, I was. More obsessed with the I mean, I guess, like I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to just say. Just like your nickname, Cheddar. It's all about the money. That's one of the- as Mister Wonderful of De- Dragons Den would say, or I guess for you Americans of Shark Tank, it's all about the money. It's all about the money. When kids know they're going to get a dollar. Yeah, that's a, those, I, yeah. No, go on for those sweet, sweet ivories. When they know Dwayne Johnson's going to crawl through their window. <laughs> And deposit cash or Vin Diesel tax free. That's that. I think that's why kids are so obsessed with it. As a kid. yeah, I think you're right. That was one of the only ways to get to get money. Yeah, yeah, get money. Uh, and I guess so. But it just didn't seem like it was such a cultural thing. Like for like throughout this episode, it's very much like a badge of honor almost. For kids, and I don't remember it being that big a deal with me and my friends. More of just like, oh, I got a loony from the Tooth Fairy. Awesome. Arthur kind of reveals to Buster that he has a loose tooth, and uh, Buster, very excited for him. Then all of a sudden, Francine does this incredibly audible sneeze and sneezes her loose tooth out. Bull. (laughs) I say bull. No way. No way, dude. Come on. Like, she just lucked into that and sneezed it out. Like, come on here. I'm no dentist. I couldn't tell you either way. I really feel like it's. I find it hard to believe. Francine sneezes a loose tooth out for some friggin' reason. Then Mr. Ratburn comes into the classroom with, like, a, you know, like, AV kind of setup. And uh, he's got a he's got a film of them to watch film for them to watch about um, you know taking care of your teeth. Which I thought at first I was like, are they going to watch Muhammad Ali versus Tooth Decay? <laughs> that classic, the seminal classic, Muhammad Ali whoops Tooth Decay. I haven't seen it. Uh, it's it's very old. It's very very old. You don't say. Uh, but I think this was um, when we actually get into it. It's kind of. It's parodying something else, but that was sort of the original kids like, "Hey, brush your teeth" video. Okay, was Muhammad Ali you, with your help of your good friend Muhammad Ali, the People's Champ? You can whoop tooth decay. That sounds great. I want to watch that right now. Um, so, before he gets started, he says, "How many of you have lost a baby tooth?" And of course, everybody raises their hand, and he goes, "That looks like everyone." Ah, everyone except Arthur. And right away, I'm just like, this makes too much sense. This is a sting. This is a setup. (laughs) Because Francine just happened to sneeze her first loose tooth out. Then Ratburn comes in and he's like, yo, who's lost a tooth? And he's like, somehow, I don't know how. Maybe involves time travel or something. But he knew. He knew that this was the prime opportunity to embarrass Arthur. 
Maybe all their cycles were just matching up. Their their tooth <laughs> loss cycles. Their tooth loss cycles. I don't know. I don't think that's a thing. I I, I think I didn't have as many problems with this as you. I think my disbelief no. was more suspended. No, because but, I was looking at their weird tooth touching yeah, too much. But it, to for, uh, to realize how strange all the coincidences. No, there's were. probably it, it really is just coincidence. But man, it's just a little too unreal. I'm just like, oh come on. Now of all days. As you ask that, let's get let's get real here on this children's cartoon. So no, it's not Muhammad Ali versus uh, Tooth Decay that Mr. Ratburn shows them. Uh, I will add here that uh, we begin the episode long bullying here as Francine uh, drops a uh, drops the B word, baby. That's right. It's, it's back. I thought we had escaped. Like a lot of the main Arthur plot no. points being, oh, Arthur doesn't want to be a baby. But again, you know how the episodes have been following a theme for like. I think this is just a thing from now on. Every episode is going to come in twos. Uh, the the theme for these two is like Arthur or whatever character doesn't want to be called a baby. This they is don't want to be seen as young. This is arguably the most like the most baby heavy episode that there's been so far. That's right. Get your baby counters out. It gets nuts. Baby, does anyone have a bib for the baby? Well, if it isn't Arthur the baby, here comes the baby. Well, if it isn't Arthur the baby, the Tooth Fairy doesn't come to babies. Now you're being the baby. So the movie they're watching is called The Plaque Monster, which, I mean, I haven't seen that Muhammad Ali video, but this seems like a a, a, bit, a bit leaning too heavy on the silly to be educating. Like, I, I didn't really glean a lesson from this as a kid. Uh, you kind of need to be a bit straight up when talking about how important brushing and flossing is, which I mean could be pretty boring. But all the same, it's uh, of a of a man animal in a rubber suit dressed as like kind of a dragon sort of thing. And you can see like on the dragon's chest, there's like the eye holes where the actor can see out of. Well, I thought it was a great detail is that this this enemy, this this evil. What is he called? Is he called Mr. Plaque? I think or something? the Plaque Monster. The Plaque Monster. Uh, you can actually tell this is a great touch. The, the animators went out of their way to make sure you knew this is like a suit and not real because there's not just one set of eye holes. There's two. It's two people like standing on top of each other. <laughs> like it's one animal on another animal's shoulders. Uh, and that's what makes up the monster. Wow. Uh, which I think is a great detail because as you'll – I'm sure you're going to go on to say it's a spoof of Power Rangers. Yes. And one of the old standbys of Power Rangers is the rubber suits. Mm-hmm. You could see the zippers for yourself. For sure. Uh, and I, so I thought that it was a great touch. So, so it's the plaque monster and he's attacking Tooth Town, which is just a mouth, uh, and has a drill with him and just like – like a nice place to build a little home. Just gotta get rid of these pesky teeth. <laughs> Starts like drilling him, and then there's like a kind of a dramatic narrator uh, that's just like, "This looks like a job for the flighty fluoride scour rangers." And it's these four obvious Power Rangers pastiches, and it's just like, ah, I can see what to expect from the new movie coming out this year. <laughs> uh, and they're all kind of, you know, dressed in those primary colors. They even have a little takeoff of the Power Rangers theme with like a three-second, uh, you know, go, go, scour Rangers, and they kind of do a kick line to it. Uh, and they all kind of attack with like toothbrushes and stuff like that and floss and all that and all that kind of stuff. Um, I remember thinking this was super cool when I was a kid because I loved Power Rangers and seeing whenever 
a show would do a parody of Power Rangers, which was really common because it was so popular back then. I'd be like, it's the Power Rangers in another show I like. Much like DW, which we'll learn in a later episode, I was not allowed to watch Power Rangers when I was a kid. Ooh. Too violent. Ooh. I don't know how I got away with that because my, I, think, I don't think my mother was uh, oblivious to the fact that Power Rangers is kind of violent. Although, I mean, they did always do the thing at the end of the episode where it's like, you know, we use martial arts for self-defense, never to attack kind of thing. So you got to slap that on there. Uh, then it goes to the lunchroom where Francine is doing tricks, quotation marks, with the space in her teeth. This was the moment where I made a stunning realization. Oh. Do you remember the gleeping episode? Yes. And when you said, oh, this next episode's about gleeping, I went, ugh. Mm-hmm. And then you were like, Lucas, why did you make that noise? And I said, I thought it was this episode where they spray stuff through their teeth that I was really grossed out because I thought they were talking about gleeking. Oh, right. This was the episode I was thinking of when I was mistaking them for gleeking. Right. Is this gross, this grody, grow, grow nonsense that Francine and then eventually all the other kids get up to in this episode, this was the stuff that was disgusting me. Okay, but first it's, you know, Francine kind of showing off and really not doing anything interesting. It's all she's doing is drinking a straw through her tooth and drinking like and eating jello through her tooth. And like gross. Big, big Even jello. that's kind of gross. It's, uh, but uh, why though? It's just weird. It's just not how things are meant to be. <laughs> Okay. Rubbing like, jello all over your gums. I don't Ugh. think I don't think I don't think I can understand this any more than I already don't. But then yeah, they're outside, they're drinking apple juice and Francine, you know, kind of sprays the juice back through the hole in her tooth, which is apparently disgusting. She's just spitting it on the ground. And I will say uh, that didn't gross me out, but and but just for just for a second, you know, you know, cards on the table here being a 20-year-old adult of seen some things on the internet so when francine yells squirting contest you're talking about like wipeout highlights highlights of the show wipeout yeah that's exactly all that water squirting everywhere that's exactly what i'm talking about you're talking about like on like great british bake-off yeah when miss mary is like yeah all right we got to get that icing on there right squirting contest yeah (laughs) That's what you're talking about? Yes, that is what I'm talking about. You're talking about? Yeah. You're talking about on Pokemon, <laughs> the Pokemon, yes. when the Squirrel Squad's got to put out a fire? Yeah. And they're like squirting contests. Yes. That's, that's what you're talking that's about? exactly, yeah. No, but it, and I'm just like, I don't want those two to mix together. I don't like the- I hear you. I, I hear I you. I don't like, the, co- yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah. the co-mingling. That's yeah, yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. I've seen some stuff as a 20-year-old, including the Squirtle Squad. Yeah, and you're like, why is this ripping all that stuff off? Yeah. No, yeah. I, I don't get it. This is where I put down, you know, because Arthur tries to do it, and he doesn't have a space to do it through his teeth, so he just kind of spills it on himself, spits it on himself. Uh, and Francine says, does anyone have a bib for the baby? <laughs> this is- So, like I said, this- <laughs> From concept, this seems like it belongs earlier in the season. Also, by Francine's role here, she is back to being the bully, the antagonist. It feels like this belongs way earlier in the season because it's such a it's such a weird whiplash of just like we've had Francine centric episodes. We've kind of developed her character a bit, and then she's back to being this like re- she's be- back to being really mean. I think once again, though, it's like. You have to always remember with Francine, she's not necessarily being purposefully vindictive. I think this is another case of Francine doesn't realize how much she's hurting Arthur's feelings. I know that might sound silly because she's saying things as mean as, we need a bib for the baby, which is like, that'd be mean if I said that to you right now. But 
Uh, I do think it's important to remember with Francine that, like, you know, I think this is just the way she kind of carries herself. She's an eight-year-old. Eight-year-olds say some crazy stuff, and I think Francine doesn't realize how much her words hurt. I don't doubt it, but it's also at the same time, like, at the end of the episode, she kind of realizes when she's really hurt someone. But there's so much evidence here of Arthur being just uh, just, – cast out from his friend group because of this even from Buster who is very supportive of him and it's just like you know that this is your fault Francine like I don't understand why why you're really doing this it, it, it's, it's hard to reconcile at points but I do under, understand what you're saying there so Arthur is going to take measures to get this tooth out of his mouth by any means necessary his, his dad kind of meets him in the, in the bathroom and uh, uh, Arthur requests a specialty for dinner uh, well, first off, uh, his dad has milk and cookies, and Arthur says, I hope they're the crunchy kind. Uh, and then he re- requests an extra well-done steak for dinner so that he can chew the tooth out. Now, as we get to dinner, and he's, you know, it's, her dad's like, extra well-done steak like you requested. It's a, it's a big honker. That is a plate-sized steak. That's all he's eating for dinner. They're a very, very, they're a very one, one food family for dinner, as we've seen. It's either all mashed potatoes or all Brussels sprouts, this time all steak. Uh, and then Arthur kind of, he, he saws off half of it and then puts the whole thing in his mouth. This thing looks like it could be the size of half of my hand. And he just puts it in his mouth, chews through it in, like, five seconds, and then just get, gives a big, like, strained swallow. And, like, <laughs> I love the look on Dad's face. He's just, like, got the fork up to his mouth with his mouth open, just like, uh. Well, I was making a similar face to Arthur's dad because, as a kid, I never realized this. Mm-hmm. But this whole sequence of Arthur trying various foods to try and chew the tooth out... I found very visceral and uncomfortable because I was putting myself in Arthur's shoes. I haven't had a loose tooth, of course, since I was very, very young because I have all my adult teeth. But I was picturing the feeling of having a loose tooth and then crunching it on stuff. Like, again, after the well-done steak doesn't work, Arthur's dad brings out corn. And then Arthur's later eating, like, pop rocks and, like, real – I'm thinking about – it. just – it's it's one of those sensations. It's like nails on a chalkboard where you think about it and you're like, ooh, that gives me the icky. He has corn on the cob's entree, and for dessert, it's peanut brittle and rock candy. Ooh. And it's just like, yeah, because even saying it now, it's like, oh, well, because even though you and I haven't had a loose tooth for nigh on twenty years or whatever, it's still like the sensation of tooth pain. And you know, I've gotten tooth pain because of like lack of flossing and stuff like that. And you know, just equating that with like chewing and it, ugh. not even pain though, just having it move around and like, oh yeah, the weird mouth like, feel. Yeah. Ugh. Uh. So then. Arthur is eating the rock candy or whatever. Like I think it's more of like almost gum in his room. And DW comes in with a sh- with a shark necklace on, or I should say, excuse me. Uh, DW comes in and she says, "I know how to get rid of that tooth in a flash. Turn into a shark." Uh, so obviously she just learned about sharks at the aquarium recently. A little bit of continuity here. I wonder if this episode takes place right after the episode where DW goes to the aquarium. Could be. But that episode did take place in the summer. Hmm. Good so point. they wouldn't have been at school. But uh, whatever. So she went there to learn about sharks and she got a necklace with a shark tooth on it. So Arthur gets a plan. He goes back to school the next day. I will say Francine is being such a bully that Binky is following her lead because Francine says – it's like, here comes Arthur the baby. And then Binky picks, a, does a yes and on that. And she, he says, yeah, here comes the baby. Which isn't a great yes and. So, so Binky, Binky is Francine's crony in this episode. 
He's not very imaginative, crony. No. What, Here it, comes the baby. Oh, yeah, it's a baby. A baby that would had, not fly on improv night. He, he, adds a little, he adds a little sing-song to it. That's because good he could do. Uh, but then Arthur puts puts a ruse forth. He has he got the shark tooth from DW, the necklace. And, uh, I mean, this was a bad plan from, yeah, from, conce- from, com- yeah, from conception to finish. <laughs> uh, you know, it kind of makes like he lost his tooth. And then Francine, of course, wants proof. So he has the shark tooth in his hand, but he's gripping the necklace part and most of the tooth in his hand. So you can just see the tooth pointing up. And it's obviously like it looks like it's the size of a guitar pick, basically. <laughs> so it's just like That's that. That's true. <laughs> that obviously didn't come from your face, Arthur. And then, of course, Francine yanks it away and, you know, find out it's a necklace. He just like, you must have really liked that tooth to make a necklace out of it. Which is a weird insult. That's like kind of a weird because like she kind of I feel she, like she she acts like she just gave him a good zinger. I feel like it's kind of gendered almost of just like you know boys don't wear necklaces or oh make really necklaces. that's how I always took it when I was a kid. Huh. Uh, I I will say what is funny about this is that when Arthur's trying to make like he lost a tooth, he puts on a bit of a voice. He goes like, "Not so fast. <laughs> it just so happens I lost a tooth last night." And he's just like, "How would a person who lost a tooth uh, talk differently?" Your your Arthur lost a tooth voice sounds like a bad Sean Connery. <laughs> it does a little bit. I'm starting to figure it out. It's, it just so ha- it just so happens I lost a tooth last night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's not bad. I escaped from Alcatraz. <laughs> the Rock. It's a good movie. Yeah. So Arthur Arthur's gambit failed. His next idea is to get somebody to just punch him in the mouth. Again, bringing back the jackass theme of this episode. <laughs> down, 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 down. Yeah. Hey, I'm Arthur. This is the mouth punch. <laughs> yeah, and then, it, and then it fails like a jackass stunt because he first he tries to get Buster to do it when they're in art class. Oh, by the way, I'm almost certain now that Elwood City is in the Massachusetts area. This was the final piece of the puzzle. Okay, go was on. in this art class. Arthur is wearing a Boston Bruins t-shirt. When he's painting the pictures, it's a Boston Bruins T-shirt. It totally is. I'm not sure. I, 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 you got to take another look at it, my dude, because it's totally. That's totally what it is. I know that it's yellow, but I feel like it's yellow and blue, not yellow and. Black. No, no, it's yellow and black, and it's a B. There's a B with a circle around it. Mm. That's what it is. Okay. All right. All right. I'm just excited. It's in Massachusetts. It's it's definitely not an exact replica of the Boston Bruins. There's Next a- episode, Arthur's going to be like, "How about that, Tom Brady?" I love Casey Affleck. He won the Oscar. <laughs> yeah, next episode he's going to be getting right down to that. Uh, so he tries to get Buster to do it for him, and he, he has a great line. If you were a real pal, you'd punch me in the mouth. And then, you know, like I said, alluding to jackass, Buster closes his eyes and kind of winds up with a fist and then ends up going forward and accidentally hitting Binky's canvas <laughs> and then having to get out of there. Speaking of Binky, then Arthur... Uh, decides to enlist Binky's help to punch him in the mouth in in gym class, and you know Binky's at first all for it, like he's got like holding his head by his hand and like you know winding up, but, but then he stops and then he just breaks down in tears and runs away screaming, "I can't do it!" So uh, uh, as much as it is weird to have it this early, this late in the season, it does make a lot of sense after the Binky after Bully for Binky because it's like ah Binky kind of abhors violence in a way. It makes him very emotional, and he doesn't want to hurt people. So that makes a lot of sense why he never fought anyone. And then Brain has a special d- designs a special robot to uh, to kill Arthur. I mean, I guess is what this I this part is it to get the tooth out by way of murder. The reason this part is so crazy. <laughs> 
is because we've seen like stuff like this in dream sequences before. You know, the time machine. Yes. Remember the time machine? Yes. But this is real. Yeah, he made this. This happens. What it is, it's... I have so many questions. What First it, off, where did Brain get 16 tons? Where did he get a 16 well, ton weight? what it is is that it's a... A quadrupedal robot. It's it's a robot on four legs, and in the center, truly a weapon to surpass Metal Gear. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, in the middle is kind of a place to put somebody's head, and on top <laughs> is a sixteen-ton weight. And the idea is that it will drop down on the head and dislodge the tooth. But of course, in the demonstration where he uses a watermelon or a melon or something, the melon is completely crushed. And as a head would be in danger of having 16 tons dropped on it with the force of a guillotine. And it's it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of a shorter version, of course, not as many legs, of the uh, the giant metal tarantula from Wild Wild West. That's a good example. My second question is, why did it need legs? Why yeah. does it need to move? Yeah. And also, why does it need artificial intelligence? Because the reason they don't try it isn't because Arthur's intimidated by the thing getting squished. It's because it runs away. It does run away. It starts to malfunction and it uh, leaves the house. And thankfully, Brain built this robot with, that is meant to uh, dislocate teeth with a self-destruct button. In case anything got too real. So he self-destructs it as it leaves the house before it can cause any real damage. And it's got like claw arms too. So he could theoretically grab someone by the neck and forcibly put their head under 16 tons of pressure. You know what? I was about to make fun of Brain for giving it a self-destruct sequence. But his quick thinking might have avoided like a Skynet situation. Yeah. I Who think, knows what that thing would have gotten up to? I think with the with the possibility that anything could have artificial intelligence, you have to put a self-destruct on there in this in this in the, this pre-Skynet age. In this post-Skynet age, excuse me. Dun 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 dun. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so then Arthur is still at it with the uh, with the door trick. It's not working. And his parents finally decide his dad says, That's it, you need professional help. But with, by which they mean the dentist. So Arthur has a dentist appointment booked for the next afternoon, and Francine tries to intimidate him by saying, "You know, if they if it doesn't fall out, they'll have to yank it out." Uh, to which Arthur has quite the imagination of the dentist's office. This maybe this is this is like a dentist's office out of Old Boy. <laughs> Yeah, it it really is almost anime in its terror because uh, Arthur's imagination, and this must be his first time going to the dentist because he doesn't have a clear picture of what the dentist's office is like. He pictures it as like a, a, a cavernous like dungeon. Very hostile part two. Yes, yeah. And it's the dentist is like this green, not really an animal. It's almost like sort of a jackal or just a green skinned demon who who is washing his hands in this like orange this like tangerine colored water which is probably fago and there's like <laughs> and there's like flies and bugs crawling on the wall and he gets these two big pliers and essentially just like building grade pliers and then just sticks on Arthur's tooth and like puts his feet up on the chair and starts pulling and to Arthur's pain and that's what he imagines the dentist to be like did you ever get a tooth removed by the dentist no I did. Many times, actually. Ah! Because when I was a kid, and here, kids, I'll dispel a rumor for you. Uh, the, it is not at all the process that is described in Arthur. What happens is, so uh, when I was younger, I had teeth that grew on top of my uh, of my gums. You know what? I have had my wisdom teeth removed, but that doesn't really count. But it's, anyway, it's a, it's a bit different. Um, what they do is, is that they, they freeze your gum. 
so that it go it goes numb, and that happens for it, it lasts for about an hour. And so when they pull the tooth, and then sometimes other dentists will use will just like put you under with gas, which they did for my wisdom teeth operation. But what, so they freeze the gum. Uh, and you can't feel anything. All it feels like is a little pull, and it really doesn't hurt at all. And then I had it done, I don't think I'm exaggerating, I think I had it done like six times maybe. But every time after I was done, I got to go to Dairy Queen and get a blizzard. There you go. Yeah, so it's not a bad memory for me at all. And it got rid of those teeth, which were like really weird and ingrown. So kids, getting your teeth yanked is not all that bad. Uh, So Arthur goes to the dentist. He's a bit intimidated, but it turns out that his dentist, Dr. Sozio, is super nice. This dude is super nice. He's got such a nice, warm voice. He's like this older bear with with these glasses. With these glasses, like he just seems like a really nice guy. He's the guy you'd want your dentist to be. Arthur's, you know, anxious about getting his tooth out, and Doctor Sozio kind of says, you know, we're not going to have to pull it. Uh, everybody's teeth falls out differently because in the in the plaque monster video, the fact was that between ages four and seven, most children lose their baby teeth. Whereas Dr. Sozio says, I didn't lose my first baby tooth until I was nearly nine. Everybody, and the keyword is everybody is different. And so he just instructs Arthur to just wait it out and it'll come out on its own. So the next day at school, Arthur, uh, again, is accosted by Francine if it isn't Arthur the baby. But then the minute – Really, like, they could use some originality, huh? Yeah. They, 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 they find their well and they stick to it. Uh, and as soon as Arthur drops the facts that he learned from Dr. Sozio, like, everybody turns on Francine. And it's not even like – it's not even like, you know, medically – like, it's not even like he's citing a medical journal or something. He's just literally said – you know, some kids don't lose their teeth till they're nearly nine. Everybody's different. And immediately Francine is like, everybody's turning on me. This sucks. And That's how kids are, though, right? They'll yeah. turn on a dime when presented with any information. Yeah, and now Arthur kind of has that confidence. So he's able to kind of step up to Francine a little bit. Then she suggests that they play a game called Tooth Fairy. Whoever she throws the ball to loses a tooth, but Arthur can't play. He's way too young, and the Tooth Fairy doesn't come to babies. And then Arthur, instilled with the new confidence given to him by his dentist, says, if you ask me, you're being the baby. And that finally gives Buster the confidence to stand by his man and be like, Arthur's right, Francine. And they all walk away from Francine. She says, wait, you can't leave me. I'm the tooth fairy. Yeah. <laughs> Very matter of fact. Yeah, like. It was weird. <laughs> it, was just, it was something you would expect like a villain to say as, <laughs> as their as they're, like, subordinates are leaving. It's like, you can't leave me. Yeah. And then Francine kind of just absentmindedly throws a soccer ball. And it just so happens that it hits a nearby pole and bounces back in Arthur's face. And at which point Francine immediately regrets what she's done. And this is kind of where she hits kind of her not point of no return but just this is the point this is this is when Francine realizes she's gone too far of she you know she'll make fun of Arthur she'll break him down emotionally and spiritually but not physically she's not into physical violence and of course she goes to check on Arthur but wouldn't you know it the soccer ball was all he needed to get that tooth out of his head and then the episode ends with Arthur uh, going you're the tooth fairy aren't you that'll be 25 cents please and they're like, ah, everything's fine. Uh, inflation. Kids nowadays, they're getting a toonie. For you Americans out there, that's $2. <laughs> well, actually, that's two Canadian dollars. So that's one American dollar. <laughs> Pretty much. 
Okay, and now a word from us kids. Did you see this one? I did. Uh, I wasn't a fan of this one because I guess this might just be a weird Lucas Mancini thing. I wasn't into zooming in and all the kids' weird mouths. You've got a, you've got a, you got a real thing for uh, for teeth and I'm mouths. I'm telling you, ever since I saw Old Boy, Ooh. I just can't be looking at all those teeth. Mm. Uh, one thing I will say that is notable from this word from us kids, besides the weird mouth fetishization. Uh, is the uh, what the kids draw sort of a artist rendition of the tooth fairy? What yes. they believe the tooth fairy to uh, look like? One kid thinks the tooth fairy looks like Falcon from Captain America. <laughs> like exactly. <laughs> I didn't notice that. From uh, from the comics or from the movies? Um, I guess I'd have to say from the movies. I think the one in the comics now looks pretty similar to the one from the movies. Yeah, I think so. But I was thinking of the older one in the comics because, like, Falcon with the white suit and, like, the, you know, it's a bit more. In the the movies, it's more, like, mechanical. So I'll actually say the comics. It looks like the the spandex Falcon. Yeah, okay. Uh, If you could go back and look at it, I think you'll get a kick out of it. But that's what it looks like to me. All right. I thought Uh, it was just a funny rendition of the Tooth Fairy because usually the Tooth Fairy is this very, like, people think of it as this feminine thing with, like, a tooth. Two yes. and these little like the little, angel wings. The, yeah, the this one wings. kid draws it, and it's like, it, like it looks like Falcon, which was cool. Which would be awesome because Falcon is awesome. Uh, they do get their theories. A few theories are put forth of what the Tooth Fairy does with those teeth, uh, including uh, the Tooth Fairy grinds up the teeth to make magic. The Tooth Fairy's home world is built out of teeth, so all the buildings are kind of built out of, like teeth or the brick. Um, and Tooth Fairy has statues of everybody on earth and puts their old teeth in the statue. Did you have any theories about what uh, what what the deal was with the tooth fairy when you were young? Ivory market? I don't know. Okay. Uh, how much did you get for as a kid from the tooth fairy? I honestly don't remember. I want to say it was above 25 cents. I think I got a loony. I think I think I got a loony as well. Also, I, I really don't remember though. Also, did you put it under your pillow? Yes. Okay, because I didn't. Oh. Uh, my parents uh, encouraged me to put it in a uh, on the nightstand in like a little uh, cup, and then they would replace it. Probably because it would be easier to get to in the middle of the night instead of having to dis- like uh, you know re- move my head up while it's on the pillow. Have you ever seen the Dwayne Johnson film? No, I haven't. Me neither. I bet it's not good. No. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> uh, we move on to the, to the second episode, and it's DW Gets Lost. Now, this is something that I actually discovered not in watching this through the podcast. This episode has Nadine doing the cold opening because this is a DW-centric episode. And so she has a little speech here, and, you know, it has with lines like, uh, it's like, I'm here because we feel it would be unkind to present this uh, story without a warning. And you're just kind of doing a bit of a disclaimer for the audience. Here's the interesting fact. This is a parody of the opening scene of the original Frankenstein. Oh. So I think it was the last time I watched Frankenstein. And some of these lines are taken word for word. And but of course, what kid in the '90s would have watched Frankenstein? That's so interesting. But no, it's true. And like here, I'll I'll put the Frankenstein bit right here. Mr. Carl Emily feels it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. 
So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we've warned you. Yeah, so there are lines in there like, if you don't care to subject your nerves to such a strain, well, we warned you. And that's lo- that's, that is note for note from the Frankenstein opening. It's, huh. And it's the same idea because... You know, the original Frankenstein movie came out in the early 30s, and it was kind of at a time where, you know, there was no established horror movie tropes, and they wanted to present it as a story, but also warn people that it was going to be like the scariest thing you've ever seen. And, you know, it's a story, you know, I I think the opening goes something like, it's like, a man who tried to something something without reckoning with God. It's the same look as the beginning of this episode. It's a guy walking out from behind a curtain and addressing an audience because at the time, at the time, movie theaters still kind of had the look of like stages and some directors would treat it like that. It's why the original Dracula kind of looks more like a stage play than a movie because that's kind of all they knew at that point. So anyway, Extremely nerdy. I love horror movies, and I love the original Frankenstein, and I was so jazzed when I found out that this was a parody of it, and I thought it was so note-perfect for the people who know what it is. Well, as someone who didn't understand that that was a reference, I'll tell you what, though. This framing device of Nadine sort of setting it up, uh, I found it really engaging. Like, I was like, all right, what are we getting into here? Uh, and it, Nadine, for the entirety of this episode, sort of acts as an audience surrogate, mm-hmm. which is a weird, like, fit for her character. Uh, but I think it works. This episode doesn't really have a protagonist. It's sort of DW kind of acting a fool and then kind of coming to an okay yeah, it's, conclusion. Yeah, it's more of an adventure. Uh, so, but it, Nadine's role there is to be the audience surrogate, the voice of reason, and be like, okay, like, yeah. anyway. Uh, so her whole thing is introducing kind of the theme of the episode is, you know, this is the story of a girl who just wanted to be grown up and it's about DW trying to be more mature than she really is. Her example uh, is of DW trying to help her father, uh, as he's kind of putting cakes into his catering van and cakes look good, by the way, they're like, like yellow with pink frosting. Like it looks real good. So she wants to help him bring the cakes in, and he says, take one at a time. DW then has, like, a stack of, like, five or six. And the problem is, is not that she can't carry them, because she seems to do fine. It's that she steps on a frosting tube and accidentally slides into the van and drops all the cakes. This reminded me of those uh, workplace safety ads we used to have here in Canada a couple years back. The ones that were banned after like two weeks because they were super morbid. I'll set it up for you you non-Canadians out there. But we had these crazy like R-rated graphic workplace safety ads here in Canada like that were on just daytime television and one of them was this woman in a kitchen and she's like I'm supposed to get in some sort of accident today oh. but that won't happen and so she slips on a grease stain and is engulfed in flame no, and it's is like scream, screaming morbidly no it's not even that it's the that the narration is like you know I, I'm currently in like my second year at a community college or whatever I was going I was going to get married on this date I was going to do this and then I had this accent, and then it's like her like tripping, yeah, and like you said, the gr- slips on a grease stain, oh. and, and then you just see like just just a half second of the grease frying her face, and it's horrifying. There are all there are this was on like it, like you could see this at like again this was for a span of like two weeks, yes, but this would be on at like four p.m. in the afternoon. There there it was a- made by the government, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there were other ones that kind of implied the same thing. It was. 
like it would be like this is the story of this inanimate object and it's just like you know one of them was like a ladder and uh those ones ran for longer they did and they and the other and and they weren't graphic but they also like were super terrifying to watch because it's like you know this particular step on the ladder it had been used many times and one day it just decided it couldn't take anymore and there's a guy like who is almost all the way up the ladder and then he steps on it it shatters and then it cuts to black and you just hear the guy fall yeah. and it is like, oh God. The other band one, though, because these really graphic ones only lasted like two weeks, but the other band one was the one where there was the construction worker and it shows him like falling on a van or something. Like he like falls off. Anyway, uh, I'm sure those are somewhere on YouTube if you want to pull them up. But that's what DW slipping reminded me of. Hey, Arthur's dad. This is a DW's fault. Proper kitchen, work, place, safety, safety first. Yeah, and I mean, you you guys think that we Canadians are all nice and everything, but when it comes to our safety ads, we do not f around. We are serious about workplace safety. So as we end the cold opening, DW interrupts Nadine on stage. Uh, she's in her mother's work outfit that we've seen before, and is also dressed in her makeup, and she kind of looks like a clown. Because uh, she's got like the eyeshadow, the lipstick, the blush, and everything, and then finally, DW's trying to walk in her mother's high heels and accidentally falls off the stage. And uh, yeah, so it's DW trying to act more grown up. The episode begins when DW is talking with Emily, her friend, on the playground. Have we seen Emily before at this point? Uh, was it, she was in the gymnastics episode? Yes, she was. Okay, so this is this is perfect, Emily, uh, and. Emily is showing off her new earrings, which look terrible. These earrings look terrible. Oh, it's a kid. No, they, but no, but like I don't care. Like kid or adult, these earrings suck. Okay. And you know, and I'm not saying that like oh she made them and they're bad. It's like she bought them obviously and they're terrible. Now I was confused by this. Didn't she say she got them from her mom? Or um, oh, you know what? She says her mom bought them for her. Right. And later, and later in the episode, they're returning them. Yes. So. Yeah, so these terrible, it's like one big jewel with like three hanging off. It's so gaudy. They're made of actual stones. Which uh, uh, DW makes this, she kind of makes like an IRL version of the shrug emoji. Well, see, I was just going to get to that because after a little bit of an absence, we have an Arthur meme alert. Oh, is this an Arthur meme alert? We actually get two in a row because I actually saw this recently. So the DW shrug is one that I've seen used. You know, she goes, of course I am. And the freeze frame on it is pretty choice. And then right after that, we get Arthur, uh, who goes into the fridge as we cut back to home. And he's got the this big piece of cake that he hears somebody coming in the door and he just shoves it in his mouth. So the the screenshot of Arthur going, ah, and then like putting it into his mouth, definitely seen that before. And Arthur kind of keeps that role as a punchline in this episode, which I actually thought was pretty funny. Yes. Like, it's weird to have Arthur as, like, this ancillary punchline. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it actually kind of helps to flesh him out a little more of, make of like, kind of seeing his more goofy his more goofy side. I liked it. You're right. DW asks what Arthur, Arthur what a stone is, because, of course, she's obsessed with Emily's earrings and the fact that she has them. Uh, she asks her mom the same question while also ratting out, like, in one sense, she's just like, it's like, Mom, Arthur just ate a whole piece of cake. What's a stone? 
Arthur's mom's got a great line. She goes, well, you could have ate an apple. And then Arthur, Arthur says, I was too weak from hunger to chew it. This is a great I needed bit. something soft, <laughs> which is like, good try, man. Real good try. And then we get DW trying to work her magic as being the master manipulator. She, you know, it's the same way that I would try and manipulate my mother into trying to buy me Wendy's when I was a youngster. She says, what kind of stone, DW? DW says, a stone like in beautiful earrings like every girl should have. And and immediately her mother knows exactly what to do. She just says, no. So, of course, DW is very insistent that she get her earrings. But uh, her mother says, you're not old enough and they'll turn your ears green. Okay, I got to ask. Yes. Is this real? I was going to ask you the same thing later on. <laughs> I'm not sure. And I feel like I should have looked it up. I I should have looked it up too because I've never met or I've never seen a picture of this and I've never met anyone who's ever said they knew anyone where this has happened to right. them. Right. It's either like a myth or an old wives tale or it really does happen. The only thing I can think of is like, you know, sometimes when you bruise part of your skin, it turns a bit green. And that's the only thing I think of if your if your ears are too oh. too small, then maybe it'll turn part of them green from bruising. Maybe that is, and it's like super cartoony, like they're just exaggerating it. That's probably it, Will. Maybe. Because I was thinking, like, this reminded me of that episode of Magic School Bus. Oh, where Arnold turns orange. Where Arnold turns orange because he eats too many carrots. Yes. Is that real? Magic School Bus is pretty based in science. I think that there is some kind of a phenomenon. Like, I, th- I, I think that there is... Some truth to that, at least. I'm no scientist. And in fact, if you have any examples of your ears turning green or your skin turning a certain color after eating something, uh, please write in. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. But I think it is if there is enough of like a dye substance in a food and you eat enough of it, you can turn a certain shade. And I think that was the idea was that the Arnold Arnold's the snack he was eating was seaweedies. And I think that they just had so enough of like a natural dye, the orange color, that he just turned orange. God, what a moron, that guy. <laughs> well, I'm on Pluto, I'm gonna take my helmet off. Hey, what, a, what an idiot. You had to have you had to have somebody worthy of the Darwin Award to really get the most out of Miss Frizzle's lessons. You had to have the idiot. No wonder Carlos was always roasting them. <laughs> Carlos, that that jokester. You know, if we ever get a if we ever get a Patreon, um, <laughs> we should totally do like side reviews of the Magic School Bus. I watched that. I watched it again like a few episodes last year. It's pretty fun. Oh man, that Carlos, eh? Yeah, Car- he really he likes ru- ruffling those feathers. He Car- he he's got some stuff to say. Carlos, and then which uh, this whole green ears thing leads to a great dad joke as a. Uh, uh, Dave Reed is is making a salad, and you know DW says, "I don't care if I have green ears." And he gets these two uh, lettuce parts that are t- perfectly ear shaped, holds them up to her head, and he just goes, "They just aren't you, DW." Uh, at this point, DW is so fixated on the earrings that she's talking about them in her sleep uh, as they're as they're putting Kate to bed. She's like, "Earrings, I like your earrings. Do you like my earrings?" And even more so than that. She comes into the uh, dining room the next day, and she has her mother's earrings. And instead of putting them on her ears, she glued them to her hair. Arthur's mom's like, how'd you get those in your ears? I'm like, yo, take a closer look, my dude. Like, <laughs> Put your glasses on, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see these giant white blotches of glue to her hair. Yeah. Uh, how'd, how'd you get those in your ears, though? So, of course, the only thing to do is to cut out the parts of DW's hair that have the glue in them, because, of course. And the great one here, uh, you know, 
uh, as Arthur's mom is cutting uh, DW's hair, Dad is just like, what have we always told you about glue, DW? And DW has this sort of, not rhyme, but uh, just sort of phrase that apparently was taught to her by her parents. Glue is for paper and not for skin and never put it in your soup. Hashtag never put glue in your soup. Yeah, really. Words to live by. I mean, I guess this must have been a problem at one point, just gluing up the soup. Uh, so they managed to cut out that part. And then eventually mom makes a deal with DW. If they go to the store and she takes a look at the earrings, then mom will have the final say if DW is too young or if they find a pair that actually, you know, could feasibly work. And, you know, just to en- just really to entertain uh, this notion and follow it all the way through with DW. And DW says she promised she'll wait if mom says that she can't have them. So the next day, and where really the bulk of this episode takes place, is the all-in-one mart, which is kind of the Walmart uh, pastiche. And I will say that I wrote down not even all, but several of the what the announcer at All-in-One Mart says. So the first thing he sets up is the sort of the uh, uh, mission statement of All-in-One Mart, is that All-in-One Mart is a store big enough to swallow your entire town. Yes. Which is a very cyberpunk concept when you think <laughs> about it. But yeah, I was going to say, I didn't bother to write them all down, but the flavor text that the intercom speaker is saying throughout this episode I think they expected nobody to pay attention like me and you do because some of this stuff is like some biting commentary on like Walmart and just consumer culture it's hilarious yeah like honestly at the time I didn't get I didn't get it as a kid but as an adult I really enjoyed it and I felt like this was definitely the episode where the writers got to cut loose a little bit and like obviously not go like blue or anything but they got to like maybe shoot a little higher than the comedy aimed for their younger kids demographic uh, I'll just give you a couple of a couple of them here uh, so <laughs> now on sale, pre-worn sneakers for lazy people. <laughs> uh, free samples at our water fountain. Uh, Army surplus wind turbines are now on sale for cheap air conditioning or whatever. Uh, who, uh, and then the, the last two near the end of the episode, I really liked. Uh, who doesn't like who doesn't like the taste <laughs> of fresh, warm, carbonated milk? The <laughs> the wonderful snack that lulls you to sleep and burps you too. Do you know what it reminds me of? You ever played? You don't know Jack. Yes. It's like the fake advertisements and you don't know Jack. Okay. And uh, finally, uh, uh, don't forget to try our chocolate-covered cabbage. It's the dessert that makes you go, ugh. I also, he said at one point, he said half off at the free sample table or yes. something like that. Free samples are half off. Yes. And books without vowels are half price. Yeah. There's a couple of those half price jokes. So as soon as they get in the store, uh, mom meets Mr. Crosswire. Mr. Umptray himself. So then Mr. Crosswire uh, really wants to talk with mom and just kind of kind of gives her like the, could you, as my accountant, could you spare your best customer just five minutes or would you rather I take my business elsewhere? So really holding her time for ransom here. Mr. Crosswire doesn't seem to under, for a businessman, he doesn't really understand how taxes work unless he's trying to be directly malicious. Right. Because he says, if I wanted to give that much money away, I'd run a charity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Crosswire, I don't think you get to pick. Yeah, really. I think you got to give them what they asked for. Well, of course, he has a certain mindset. As he says when they get in there, it's like, I wouldn't expect to see a man of my stature in a store like this. But as I always say, you can't be too rich or too cheap. 
And it's like, hmm, sounds like somebody else (laughs) that I know. Also, another great joke here that you would miss if you were uh, listening to D.W. and Nadine, because as they're talking, Mr. Crosswire and Mom, you know, D.W. and Nadine are having are overlapping with their conversation where it's like D.W. wants to try and find the earrings and be back before Mom knows she's gone because Mr. Crosswire, of course, talks forever. But what I heard was uh, Mr. Crosswire, you know, it's he, he says something about I want to talk about my liquid assets because my bottled water company isn't doing well. And I'm like, I missed that. That's oh, hilarious. Get it? Oh my goodness, that's very airplane. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was it was very funny. So DW is kind of kind of runs around the mall a little bit. They come by a statue of a pig with a chef's hat balancing on one foot eating a slice of chocolate cake to which she says that looks like Arthur. Uh, so this is, which is really funny because it becomes like kind of a major plot point, but it also is it it, it does double duty as like a plot point and a joke and a ro- at the same and time. A roast. Yes. Oh, uh, oh, oh, geez. Oh, oh, I'm, so, I'm so funny. They circle around and they realize that they've passed that statue three times. Nadine being the audience surrogate, yes. it's like, don't we, shouldn't we go back to your mom? I think we're getting lost. We passed that statue three times. DW's like, I would have remembered that. It looks just like Arthur. Uh-oh. So she goes on top of the pig to try and uh, find out exactly where they are. Uh, but no, she can't see her mom or Mr. Crosswire. Uh, so they decide to go in and check out the security cameras to find out uh, where her mother or the earrings might be. So we get a little montage of DW fooling around with the security cameras and having them bump into stuff. Like there's one where it kind of hits a dude in the head while he's at his uh, at his kiosk. Uh, knocks him out cold. Yeah, like loopy-eyed and everything. Uh, knocks over like a stack of tennis balls and everybody kind of falls over it. Uh, they find both the earrings and DW's mom, but doesn't doesn't really lead them anywhere. And they finally get chased out of the... Uh, of the uh, security room by the uh, the goat that works there. And then there's a couple of, so I, I, I stacked these all together because I thought that they fit in a really interesting narrative of uh, DW Imagines being lost forever in the store. So there's a couple of ways that it progresses. Her first imagination is that uh, <laughs> uh, like DW, Nadine's like, what if we never get out? And then it's our mom and dad back at their house, like in front of DW's bed. And mom says, like, they're near tears and holding each other. And mom is like, well, I couldn't have been that clunky Arthur that got lost instead of my darling DW. First of all, clunky is such a funny and odd insult to use. Second of all, when Arthur... To to make it better, I'm sorry to cut you off, but this made me laugh so much I had to pause the episode. (laughs) Arthur is in the doorframe watching them cry, and he's got one of the cakes from the cold (laughs) open of the episode... And he's just eating it like a hamburger. And he's it's like he's just he's halfway through this cake and he's just eating it like a sandwich. It's so funny. Well, he's in the exact same pose as the pig statue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought that was so funny. Uh, and then later on, the second one, the second of three is DW imagining being stuck there. Like for the rest of her life, basically. And it goes back to her house with old mom and dad. Uh, so this mom- is the uh, one of them pontificates. What if they don't care? Yes, I think. Yeah. What if what if the what if they don't miss her or or, or yeah. What if they don't miss her? And uh, 
you know, mom has kind of the old uh, white short hair, the curled one that a lot of uh, old women have. D- Dad almost looks a little bit like a, a bigger Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, and they're both kind of like, whatever happened to DW? You remember, I lost her 20 years ago. And then so, obviously, DW would be 24 at this point. And then in comes Arthur, who is 28 and still bumming around home, still wearing the same clothes that look about as stretched out as if he wore them every day for 20 years. And he's got a fountain drink in one hand and a slice of cake in the other. And he's just shoving them into his mouth. And it's just this amazing picture in DW's head of Arthur is just this... This glutton. This complete and utter glutton. It's so funny. Like, because we don't really... We don't see that with a lot of Arthur's episodes. Like, he's not... I mean, he eats a little bit, but, like, not to this point. So I think it's funny that DW picks up on it. But Arthur, I think he he likes to eat. And then I'll just finally get into the third one after they get a bit more lost. Uh, DW becomes the phantom of the store, where it's like if they, ha- if they had to get lost, it might as well be here because they have everything they need to live on. So in this one, DW lives in the uh, – lives above the boards of the roof and, you know, kind of – brings down a rope and grabs a basket of buns from the bakery and somebody's like it's the phantom of the store and DW is actually wearing her blankie as a cape and wearing earrings and then disappears upstairs and she has like everything she needs but it, she's still very lonely and misses everybody even Arthur so I just thought that those cutaways were really funny uh, so they, as they wander around a bit more they get to like a free sample table uh, where they have like samples of cheese, and you know they're so hungry at this point. Uh, they get there, and DW- they were hungry and cold. Yeah, because like maybe we should move away from the frozen food. So DW can't get past everybody who is you know vying for these free samples. So she picks up like this co- this like funnel, and you know kind of does a fake uh, you know free desserts at aisle twelve, and then you know she gets to the front of the line, and of course. There's no samples left except for one cheese thing that is taken by this suspiciously large fly that's uh, pretty pretty strong for its size. And then eventually it all leads up to DW finding Emily in one of the aisles. And DW says, are you here to buy more earrings? And Emily says, no, I'm returning mine. And then there's a quick zoom out of Emily's whole head and her ears are green. So there you go. It's uh, apparently true. Well... In the context in the, of the show, in the context of the show, it's I still have true. my doubts. Sure. And then Nadine suggests, well, maybe you should go ask Emily if she's seen your mom. And DW's like, well, it's like I can find her. I'm not a baby. You know, back with the baby again. And DW's even younger, even closer to being a baby. But she wants to prove that she's mature. And then, uh, D- and then Nadine suggests maybe mom, maybe mommies and daddies ask for help when they uh, when they uh, need it too. So then finally, DWK is and ask Emily where her mom is, and then, you know, Emily tells her, and then they find her. It's, you know, not, not exactly the most compelling thing in the also world. Also a funny joke of that Mr. Crosswire has still been talking this whole time. Like, while all these antics have been going on, Mr. Crosswire's going on and on about his taxes. Oh, yeah. Give him five minutes. He'll give you 20. <laughs> mom says, you know, thanks for waiting quietly for five whole minutes. And DW says, that was only five minutes? Which I wonder, you know, I should have checked if it was real time because it could could have very oh, well been five minutes so. of screen I don't think so. It feels – it's funny. This episode actually feels longer 
than most Arthur episodes. And I wonder if that's like an illusion because it takes place in two big locations. Right. Uh, so it feels like it's like twice as long or something because I felt like – and I didn't find it boring. That's not why I found, felt it was longer. But this episode – I feel like – I wonder if the tooth episode's shorter – than the average one to give this one more time or if they didn't the word from us kids felt short I feel I'm like not it, sure I feel like it probably isn't but I think I think probably what you're thinking is that there's a lot more stuff packed into a shorter amount of time so a it lot feels of stuff like does happen yeah uh, so DW you know says I've thought it over I don't really need earrings because of course she's been convinced by Emily's green ears and mom says I'm impressed that's a very grown up attitude which is the real lesson if there is one and the episode ends with them going to do lunch. And we get a few kids, including Emily, a few little girls walking past the camera with green ears. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's go back to Arthur's Tooth. What did you think of that episode? I, I like the episode, but I have to say I am kind of getting sick of Arthur's anxieties about being perceived as a baby. And that's not Arthur's fault in this one. I'm also getting sick of people accusing other people of being babies. I, I It might just be something where I could totally relate to it a lot more if I was younger. We've been over this before. Uh, but it's just so out of my wheelhouse. Yeah. It's I've never been worried. It's been over a decade or more since I've worried about being perceived as a baby. <laughs> so it's not something that I, I can really empathize with. Uh, I'd certainly empathize with Arthur being bullied in this one, which he straight up is, like sure. being antagonized. And I think it's got a great moral. I like the way all the kids sort of come to the defense of Arthur at the end. That's something not at a lot of episodes have ha- uh, done yet where all the kids kind of gang up and protect somebody. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. But it's just kind of okay. Yeah. That that tooth robot, though, that part's really <laughs> crazy. That's yeah. not something I'm going to forget anytime soon. There were a couple parts of this episode that I thought were kind of fun. And they were really just kind of the one-off parts of it, like the flighty fluoride scour rangers. That That's whole, cool, too. That whole bit, you know, the the robot thing. But honestly, I didn't really, I didn't really like it. Mm. I just, like you said, I, this is one of those ones that as an adult, it's incredibly hard to relate to, especially because I don't remember what it, like, what it was like in that sort of social context to have loose teeth. Not anymore, at least. And uh, I just thought that the the characterization, especially of someone like Francine, who I've said at times can feel inconsistent, was wildly inconsistent from what we've been getting recently. And it's and it's the inconsistency that is hard to reconcile with who her character is. And I just think it's like they needed an antagonist for this one and they chose Francine. And I feel like that might have been the wrong choice. And I don't know, like this wouldn't be one that I would watch again. And I honestly found it a little frustrating. So. Yeah, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a great fan of this episode. You'd be better served looking up the clips of the Power Rangers parody, and if someone has uploaded just a short five-second video of that mechanical monstrosity that Brain puts together, that's worth digging up as well. Somebody vined it. Uh, DW gets lost. Now, the thing, uh, neither of these episodes were ones with a message, and I feel like a lot of times we're just like, we favor the ones that have a strong message for kids and adults, which is true. I appreciate that. But, uh, you know, I don't want it to seem like, you know, not every episode needs to have a message. And this one, I don't think it really did, or at least if it did, it wasn't super strong. It's not overt. No, it's not overt, and it really did feel more like an adventure, and I did like this one more. Again, I didn't didn't like it. I think the message is, it's kind of like, don't try and... 
do everything yourself, like ask help if when you need it, kind of. Yeah, it's all about acting mature and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, but all the same, like it was like again, it's not the greatest episode. But I thought it, I thought the parts that were. I think actually writing upwards of the age bracket, as I said, like they did work. I think that these writers can be very funny uh, and usually are. And I thought that the, you know, the imagined scenarios were funny. The all in one Mart uh, lines were funny. Even Mr. Crosswire got in a couple of good ones. And uh, like I said, the opening, like I just thought it was very cleverly written. And I thought that that was it was it was fun. Like I thought that this episode was really fun. Well, I thought you put it really well when you said it felt like an adventure, really yeah. more so than any other Arthur episode. It feels like kind of a romp mm-hmm. or it's it, it sort of almost this is a little bit of a stretch, but it almost follows the hero's journey. <laughs> almost. OK, like there's a little bit of like a Homer's the Odyssey quality of DW getting lost and kind of having to follow her way, find her way back to the mom. Sure. And there's all these sort of place, crazy places in the mall they visit along the way. So I thought that whole storytelling technique made the whole thing. Once they get to the mall, it's just it, – it is, like you said, it's a fun adventure. It's a romp. I couldn't put it any better way than that. But then, uh, but then of course, we will actually get – uh, the Odyssey from oh, DW's right. point of view later on. Okay, so I'd say mild recommend for DW Gets Lost, and at least for me, I would say I would not really recommend Arthur's Tooth. Uh, but of course, you know, I would suggest they're not exactly a waste of your time. Uh, I think these way. two episodes are an example of two episodes that are probably more fun to talk about than they are to watch. Yes. I had a lot to say about both of them, so I was really looking forward to talking about them. Okay, thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. And, of course, you are a big part of why this podcast keeps going. Every email, every review, every Facebook message, like, uh, retweet, uh, like on Twitter, and like and reblog on Tumblr helps to keep us going. So, of course, here's how you can interact with us. On Facebook, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. On Twitter, at ECL Podcast. On Tumblr, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com. If you'd like to send us an email with any sort of feedback to what we've talked about on the show or about the show itself, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And finally, you can find us on one of two places where you can find this podcast, SoundCloud.com slash Elwood City Limits. You can uh, subscribe to us over there. It also helps with our metrics. That's been a very helpful way of finding out uh, where you guys have been listening from where and uh, how, like, how much you've been downloading it. A big shout out to all of our international listeners. And that includes everybody in uh, the U.S. From Dartmouth, Nova Scotia to... Uh, Oh gosh, I, I I'll, I'll need I'll need to write down some of the places that we've been listening to because it's really really awesome to all of our, to our listeners in Mexico. Thank you very much. And donde esta biblioteca? Me llamo T Bone, la araña discoteca. And uh, you can go to iTunes to subscribe over there. Uh, I just got a new iPod, so I'll likely be subscribing to my own podcast pretty soon now that I have the room. Uh, and you can rate and review over there. That really helps us uh, find more listeners. And, of course, share this episode around with somebody you know who likes to laugh and loves Arthur. Next week. Now, this is one where I'm kind of going in blind. I don't know what either of these episodes are about from the title. It is DW Thinks Big and Arthur Cleans Up. Huh. Very oh, big. Actually, I just remember what Arthur Cleans Up is about. But DW Thinks Big uh, does not ring a bell. So we'll have to kind of see how that one plays out. Okay, my name is uh, Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini... Wait, you can't leave me! I'm the Tooth Fairy! 
This has been Elwood City Limits. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll see you next time. Baby.